0: We'll be looking at a variety of verses in Romans chapter 1 and a handful of other passages. If you notice there on the back of your handout, I actually did something for you. And my desire is that on the back of your handout there with the verses that have some words or phrases highlighted, my intention is to give you the opportunity to go home and do further personal study in the Word of God. Okay, I want to equip you especially moms that are in here, equipping your children for truth and teaching truth to them. You can take this and you can, on your personal time, um, learn more about the Lord and know how to worship him better. So our message this morning is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, it's a truth. We all know it, that we should believe God. We're sinners, but we know that we can find deliverance and we can show that to God. We can declare to God, I have been delivered and I have Jesus as my Savior. You know, we should praise God that he sent his son to die in our place. We know that we're free because of Jesus Christ. So, we go to church, we read our Bible, and we spend time with Christians and many other good and profitable things for us. Yet sometimes, yet sometimes, We act like the unsaved world and ignore God's word. We know all the good things to do, all the right things to do. When we do that, though, we start a vicious cycle to then ignoring God, worshiping ourselves as higher than God, then receiving what we asked for from the beginning. If you know Romans chapter one, this is going to sound familiar to you. You know, we may know God as Savior. But if we start a path of ignoring His Word, of ignoring what He's written to us, we're positioning ourselves to, in the end, and I'll explain this, but to getting what we want. God, in the end, does give us what we want. What do we want? Do we want the glory of God or the glorification of ourselves? So this morning, as we walk through this together... I want us to very carefully consider what do you want most in your life? What do you care about most in your life? What do you give the attention most to? You know, an unbeliever should shudder, should shake when they hear the phrase that God gave them up. And we'll see that in Romans chapter 1 today. When that shows up in the Bible, an unbeliever should look at that and say, "Uh, What does that mean? For us as believers, we know what that means. God gives us up to our sin. And he says, you've made that choice. I will, I will give you over to it. You know, though it's not what God desires, 2 Peter 3 tells us that he is not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should live apart from him. He is He inspired the words of chastisement and correction. And sometimes God does observe the truth of His Word by being silent, by not being present. And you may be five years old today, ten years old, or a grown adult. But if you ignore the Word of God, if you push away the Word of God, you are in a dangerous place. And I want to encourage each one of you this morning, no matter how tired you are, no matter even if there are only a few things that you may catch this morning, my desire for you this morning is this. I want you to have a burning desire, a fire within you for the word of God, to love the word of God and to not have anything else in the place of it. And when you love the word of God, you love God himself. I want you to look at Romans chapter one, and I'm going to read verse 18. Romans chapter one, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. You know verse 17 at the end says this. The last phrase says this. The just shall live by faith. Those who know Jesus as savior, those who have confessed Jesus as savior, those who are justified, those who are saved by him, they live by faith. Every day they walk with their God by faith. But then it goes into verse 18 saying this. But those who don't, the wrath of God is revealed against those who are ungodly and unrighteous. Why? Because they hold the truth in unrighteousness. They say, I don't want the truth. And just like this phrase here, we can act like the unsaved world and we can ignore the word of God. We know what we're supposed to do. Right? Let's say this. Your sibling is annoying you over and over and over again. And you know I should be kind no matter what. I should be full of grace no matter what. I should not retaliate. But then your sibling comes up for the 732nd time in the day and annoys you once again with that thing. And you say this in your mind and in your heart. That's enough. I can't take it and you lose it, right? You get angry. Maybe you, you swipe a hand. Let's all be honest, right? That may happen. It happens in my home with my little girls. They may be five and almost three, but when they don't like each other, they may push, shove, pull, pull hair, right? Girls, you know? what? Yeah, oh, some of you girls are looking like, I've never seen it. Yeah, it happens, okay? And what are we doing when we do that? In all reality, if you go back to the truth of God... We are ignoring his word. And that may come through the instruction of your parents. Your parents may be teaching you how to live a life that's godly. But you're ignoring it. Why? Because we believe that God is just. And God will justify. He will make things right. We cannot compare God's wrath with man's wrath. Our anger is selfish. It's out of control. It's emotional. And it's foolish. If we look at that verse 18 it says this for the wrath of god is revealed against all ungodliness and righteous, unrighteousness of man we may look at it and we may think oh god's wrath but when we think of wrath when we think of anger man's wrath truly is irrational but god's wrath is motivated and wrapped up in love god has an undying love for us he knows better than he knows us better than we know ourselves therefore he pursues us And how does he pursue us? His Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus as Savior, he is day after day, hour after hour, moment after moment, pursuing you. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. And the Holy Spirit is, even as the Bible says, he is our comforter. That sibling on that 731st time hasn't gotten to the 732nd time. When they come up and annoy you, Where do you find comfort? Where do you find a willingness and a desire to say, I will be patient, I will be loving, I will forgive once again? I believe it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us that guidance. I want to challenge you with this. Conviction stops. The conviction of the Holy Spirit stops when man is not willing to listen to God and repeatedly tells God, leave me alone, I can do it. You know, you know, Sin, ultimately, if I were to sin against David and be angry at him and raise my voice in anger at him because he he did something I didn't like. My sin is against David. But ultimately, who is my sin against? Who is my sin against? God. And how do we know that for a fact? Because God sent his only son to die on the cross for what reason? What did he die on the cross for? You can say it out loud. My sins. So when I commit a sin against David and raise my voice in anger, I'm not just committing a sin against David. Ultimately, I'm committing a sin against God. And conviction stops with the Holy Spirit when I say, I don't want this anymore. I just want to do what I want to do. And it may look like an unwillingness to work with your sibling or an unwillingness to obey a parent or an unwillingness to be submissive to a teacher. And you find yourself saying, no, 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 I will do what I want to do. I will not follow what God said. I will not follow what my teacher said. I will not follow what my parents said. I will not follow what my older sibling has said. I will do what I want to do. And we ignore it over and over and over again. And ultimately, you need to be convicted by this, that your sin is not just against that individual. It's against God. So we need to be very careful to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to put a picture up on the screen for you. And I want to tie it into a, to a, to a thought, okay? It is this. It's a pig. It's a pig. That pig is having a time of his life. He's having an awesome time. That pig is where? Where is it? Say it out loud. In the mud. In the mud. Okay? Now, dry mud for us it's fantastic because you can step on it no issue right but throw a little bit of water in there it gets messy real fast now there are days like when it rains and you find a puddle and there's mud in it so fun throw mud at each other a pig loves the mud now there's a reason why the pig loves the mud do you know why pigs love mud yes it cools them down Yes, it helps cool them down, and they're dirty. And we look at a pig, and we get within 15, 20 feet of a pig, and we go, ooh, you stink. But the pig loves it. That's what the pig goes back to when it wants comfort. We see it as gross and unnatural. Imagine you doing that. Imagine you going out to your backyard after rain happens, And you have an area that's no longer grassy and it's muddy, it's dry mud, but then it rains and what happens? It gets gross. It may just be a little bit of dirt or it may be a ton of dirt. After playing for hours and hours and digging holes and then it rains, it's awesome to put some boots on and go and jump in it and just throw the mud. But to you and to me, let's say that on Sunday, Juliana leaves church, she goes to her house and in her backyard there's a a puddle of, water and dirt. And she says, Mom, I'll, I'll be right back. I'm going to go have some fun in the backyard. She's like, what are you doing? Just don't worry about it. Mom, I'll be right back. And she goes in the backyard, and her mom looks through the blinds, and she sees Juliana running to the puddle of mud, doing the biggest jump possible, and doing a face plant in the mud, and then just playing in the mud. Would that be natural? Would that be normal? Right? Not only that, but her mom would probably be a little bit upset at her that she would have to change her dress for Sunday night. And she'd have to clean that dress. It would just be a ton of work. She would probably get a hose in the backyard and say, stand still. You can't even walk in the house till you get a towel and clean off and change clothes, right? It's unnatural to us to do that. When people allow their fleshly desires to become their gods, they reduce themselves to acting like nothing more than an animal. They go back to that mud. They go back to the old life. And they live for Who? They live for themselves. You know, on Tuesday, I had the privilege of playing a game of volleyball. For about eight weeks between January and March, I played with a couple people from this church in a little church league at another church locally. And I had a lot of fun playing the game of volleyball. Got home at about nine, nine fifteen. And what do you think? Do you think I just changed into my jammies and went straight to bed? What do you think I did? I took a shower. Right. My wife would look at me if I got in bed after playing a game of volleyball. And she would say, that is unnatural. Your smell is unnatural. Go take a shower, right? Naturally so, after playing a game of volleyball, after getting some exercise, after a very exciting evening of playing games in the gym during Kids for Truth, naturally, I should go home and think, okay, either tonight or tomorrow morning, I should probably shower, right? I want to challenge you with something. Sin will make you feel dirty. But God's forgiveness will make you completely clean. Violating a a few simple commands from God's word will begin to cover the heart with a kind of filthy dust that soon can make you feel desensitized from all feeling, can make you feel like there's nothing worth living beyond your sin. But God's undeserved grace cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It does. Now I want you to flip over your handout, and we're going to look at a couple of these passages quickly. I'm only going to look at a few of them, simply because I gave you all of them, and I'm going to give you the opportunity on your own to study them. Okay, look at Psalm 19. Twelve to fourteen, and this is David. What kind of stuff did David do? Was he always this really good, upstanding citizen? Was he a super good guy all of his life? No, he committed a, some pretty big stuff, some pretty big sins, and did he pay for it? Yes, yes, he paid for it. He paid big time for it. Study the life of David, and you'll see that he paid big time for the choices towards sin that he made. Listen to Psalm nineteen. Verse 12 to 14. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. So he says this, God, would you cleanse me from my sins? I have chosen to sin against you and you only. Here is my confession. And here's my desire for it. My desire is then I will be upright. I shall be innocent from the great transgressions. And then God, here's how it'll be shown. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. If you want to take time on your own, you can see a pattern of what it looks like to be right with God when you have not been right with God. If you if you were to stop and think right now, there is something between me and God. And it may be this. There's something between me and my sibling. There's something between me and my parents. There's something between me and a friend. You can't just say, okay, God, I'm not going to do any more and move on. You go to your God and you confess your sin. And you say, I will be upright. I will choose to be innocent. What does that mean? You go to someone else and you make it right. And you put on righteousness. And then after that, what do you do? You actually go out and you live righteousness. That's the last verse. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You make things right with your God. You don't have to live for yourself. You don't have to give up. You can live for your God. Listen to Psalm 35 there on the back of your sheet. Verse 5 to 7. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And what does my God do? He forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. David made some very poor choices, but God forgave him. And David was very upright with God. He was very um, open with God. And his confession toward him. I'll let you study Psalm 51 and 1 John 1, or excuse me, first yeah, 1 John 1 and Romans 1, 26. Okay? But I want us to very carefully consider this. What does the writer ask of God? God, will you forgive me? And what does God do? God forgives. God cleanses. God renews. But when someone does not confess their sins to God, when someone does not give themselves to God, what happens? Go to Romans 1, verse 26. Romans 1, verse 26. For this cause... Okay, let me back up actually to verse 25. You're walking through here an example of people that had given themselves over to terrible sins. They had said, I want my way and I want it now. Listen to verse 25. Who, these people that are choosing sin, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. These people completely... Gave up on God. So verse 26, what did God do? For this cause God gave them up into vile affections. For even their women did change their natural use to that which is against nature. And likewise also men leaving the natural use of women. And the list goes on. Look at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So not only was it this. I'm going to live life the way I want to. They went to the point of saying this, God, you don't even factor into my life. Sin can take you there. Sin can take you to the point where you say, God, you don't even have an opinion. I'm not going to let you have an opinion in my life. I'm going to live life the way I want to live it. Now, we believe a lie about God and choose to worship the things that God created instead of the creator himself. That's Romans 1, 25 down through 28 for us. When unbelievers made that choice, God gave them over to their son, sin. We must look at the example of scripture and our response to our sinfulness. Word perversion here could be used to describe a sinful behavior that is a result of twisting or distorting the word of God to give people permission to do what they want to do. Do you ever distort the words of your parents? They tell you this, I want you to collect the trash in your room, in the bathroom, in the kitchen, take it out to the trash outside, and take it to the road. Trash truck comes tomorrow morning. And what do you do? You may be tempted to do this. You take your trash, and you take it to the kitchen trash can and drop it off. Did you obey? No. You did not. Why? Because you took what had been told to you and you interpreted it the way you wanted to interpret it. Now, I know that's a silly illustration, right? Let's say it this way. Your parents tell you, you I, I would love for you to build some friendships, but I want you to just be careful. There may be a few people around you, either Kids for Truth or Children's Church or in a co-op or some kind of activity that you have, and your parents just say, hey, I just want you to be cautious. What do you do? You go into those friendships, you go into that time away from your parents, and you're not cautious. You do what you want to do. Did you obey? No, you distorted it to be what you wanted it to be. Sometimes... Actually, more than sometimes we're tempted to live this way. I will live the way I want to based on what I like or what I don't like. I'm going to take the word of God and I'm going to like simplify it for me. I'm going to like take it to a point where if I like something, then I'll do it. But if I don't like something, I won't do it. You know what often people do? They live according to their likes or dislikes. Broccoli if they don't like to eat it. They don't eat it. Right? I don't like broccoli. I don't eat it. Now, I like broccoli. There may be someone in here that doesn't like broccoli. You are entitled to not like broccoli. Now, it doesn't mean that you're entitled to not eat broccoli if your mother puts it on the table for you, right? She may make you eat it, even if it's just one bite. No exercise. Some people, they don't like exercise. And because they don't like it, They don't do it. What about parents' rules? If I don't like my parents' rules, I just don't obey them. That may be a temptation for us, right? And maybe we'll go even to the point of saying this God's word. If you don't like what it says, you ignore it, you don't do what it wants you to do. As believers, we need to be careful. As a person who has confessed Jesus as our Savior, we need to be careful because even as believers, we have to guard our thoughts. Or we too, like the world, will end up foolishly doing the foolish things that we foolishly think about. We allow foolish thoughts into our mind and into our heart and we end up doing those foolish things. So when man foolishly gives up on God, maybe if you're tempted toward that, if you're tempted toward saying, I just kind of want to do what I want to do. And we're all tempted toward that. You know, obeying rules, some people may say, rules are for losers, right? I just do what I want to do. No. Rules hem us in, rules help us. Rules help us give us a, a guardrail to help us understand who is our God. And God has given us our parents even for the fact to help us understand those guardrails that God puts in place. Why does God do that? Why do your parents do that? Is it because they just want to control you? No. Your parents do it because they love you. Let's take it another step. Your God puts those things in place, those guardrails, to protect you. And that is because He loves you. And what do we do? We act like the fool. And we allow foolish thoughts of this world and foolish actions of this world to influence our thoughts. And it becomes a part of our character. We end up foolishly doing those things. God is not willing that any should perish. But neither is God willing to populate heaven with well-programmed robots or empty-headed puppets. God wants people that are all out living for him. God wants people that are undeniably living for Jesus. There is nothing else that will distract them. Listen to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8-10. through But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering toward us, uh, to usward, not willing that any should perish, but... That all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth shall also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So God says this. Repent. Why? Because I am a just God. I will uphold my character. So God is pleading with us. Live for him. You know, at the beginning of our time here, let's see if I can pull it back up. I showed you this. Don't give up. You may be tempted today to say, Pastor Jordan, I am worn out by obeying. Tired of it. I could ask the adults in this room and they would agree with that. It's tiring. You know what the Bible says, though? Do not be weary in what? Doing what is right and well-doing. Please, God, with your life day after day. And you know what God says? My strength is with you every day. I will give you endurance. So may I challenge each one of you this morning? You may be tempted. I'm just going to give up. I am tired of doing the right thing. You know, this right here is not written on accident to us. This is written on purpose to us. And this right here gives us hope to continue doing what is right and pleasing God. You know, the youngest person in this room is what, three or four years old? I pray that each of these young ladies will come to know Jesus at a young age. The rest of you, I trust, have either confessed Jesus or are learning of Jesus. And one day we'll confess Jesus. If you know Jesus as your Savior, this right here is God's love letter to you. And if you fall in love with this love letter from God to you, then you won't want to give up. Why? Because you love your God so much that you won't want to sin. You won't want to give in. And obedience to your parents, obedience to rules, obedience to what God has said is not going to be laborsome. It's not going to be difficult for you. It's going to be something where you say, I want to please God with my life. I want to exalt the name of Jesus with my life. And I'm not going to give in to the ways of this world. The people in Rome were giving in. Romans chapter 1, Paul says, they gave into it, and they did not want to retain God in their thinking. They wanted to totally take God all the way out of it. Protect yourself from even getting close to that thinking by being in love with God. Love your God first and everything else will fall in line. Let's pray.